And I wanted to introduce, do you guys remember when I preached on the derby? And I told you I went to my first derby, right? We talked about Lucky Strike and how I felt like it was so significant. And this, this lovely couple I met, I felt like, oh man, this, was, this, is, this is like one of those really cool relationships. I felt like, God, it was like a divine appointment. Well, Jay and Patty Swiatek are here. So guys, just kind of wave. Let everyone see the derby couple. Because <laughs> they really... Um, I preached a whole message on that, you know. So... It's really great to have you guys here. The what? Really? <laughs> it's going to be so good. <laughs> well, listen, I, I'm not going to do much of a review. Um, I do have, I have a, Jay was saying, you know, this is my first time in church. I want um, fire and brimstone preaching. Come on. So I was like, I'll do my best. But my plan was to continue on our, in our series, right? And we, we've talked about establishing. What does it mean to be established, right? It's the Greek word sterizo in the text. And we talked about how we need to be established in the gospel. Paul's early letters all address this. Every one of those letters is about that. And we're going to talk about that this morning. And then we look at Paul's middle letters, and it's all about being established, derizo, strengthened, encouraged, founded in the mission and the vision of the church. And then finally, those latter letters of Paul, they're all about being established in leadership. What is it to be to receive the deposit as a faithful man and then pass that deposit on to others? That gospel, that dedicate, that way of living for Jesus. So this is kind of a hard message because, you know, I think if I went and took a survey right now throughout this, this gathering, I think the majority of you would say, yes, I'm established in the gospel. Well, that's pretty basic, right? I believe that Jesus was sent by the father because the father loved the earth. I believe Jesus died on the cross in fulfillment of many prophetic words throughout the Old Testament. I believe that he died on the cross and on the third day he was raised from the dead. I believe in all that. I believe he sent his spirit to empower us to live differently, right? But I don't really believe much of the church is established I want to talk about that today, and over the, the next few weeks, my hope is we can really dive in, just like, because, I mean, there were several people that were kind of, there was some rumbling, like, is establishment even in the Bible? Like, what is this word? And so last week, we took the whole message, breaking down every use of that word to be established. What does it mean? Sterizo. Encourage, strengthen, form. Right? Well, now we're going to break up each of these aspects that are expressed and summarized in Paul's letters and say, what is it to be, what is it to be established in the gospel? Now, it's much more than just believing Jesus came and died on the cross and died and was raised from the dead. Now, you might say, like, this is like really parsing things. Why are we getting into all this deep theological stuff? Because it is foundational. 
it affects everything. It affects what, how you live. It affects how well your family lives for the Lord. It affects how you interact with people. It affects everything, your goals. It affects what will happen when you stand before the living God. And, he's, and, and you have to give an account for your life, everything you've done, and, and your stewardship with every gift and resource and breath you've been given. This is an incredibly important concept and, and message. We talked a lot about first, Second Peter 1 and, and how growing in character gives us an abundant entrance into heaven. We're not going to keep going over that, but there's even a place where our establishment has massively harmed our ability to effectively witness and share the good news. There was this one book that um, Stephanie has just kind of gotten involved in. It's Joel Salatin, and it's called The Marvelous Pigness of Pigs. Now, the guy, Joel, is an environmentalist. He actually was raised at BJU, which is a very fundamentalist, you know, school of thought, very strict, rigid in the word, which... I'm not complaining, but I want to read a few quotes to give you an idea of how we've been impaired from being an effective witness. I'm just going to kind of skip around and pop some things out here. When the faith community pontificates on spiritual matters, it generally hides behind the Augustinian premise of duality. Spiritual is good natural, physical is bad, evil. But God made a world and proclaimed it good. Indeed, he promised the Israelites a land flowing with milk and honey. That doesn't sound like a place of invisible spirit to me. It sounds like a place you can see, touch, drink, eat, taste, and feel. Francis Schaeffer asked the question, how shall we then live? Memorizing verses and the catechism is fine, but how does it translate into practical living? He continues, I think the faith community has squandered its moral high ground. My Christian friends embarrass me with their cavalier attitude toward resource use, toxicity, pollution, animal care, and stewardship. I'm just kind of consolidating some quotes here. As a Greco-Roman Western reductionist compartmentalized, fragmented, disconnected, democratized, individualized, systematized, parts-oriented culture, we become great at figuring out the how of things, but not the why. It's the why that creates an ethical framework around the how. What would make Satan happier than to paint environmental care and alternative health as his domain so that Christians would not adopt healing and stewardship practices? So that Christians could be branded as earth rapists and pillagers and lose all their credibility making the Christian community impotent in argument and hypothetical in lifestyle, blunted God's message. What a great victory. 
In our self-righteousness, Christians could make jokes about animal rights, organic farmers, and fruit and nut eaters. All while holding their Bibles in their hand and gobbling Hot Pockets with the other. That's like, for those who don't understand, it's like processed food. Some of you are like, that's what I have every meal. (laughs) Sorry. I don't know about you. He, uh, this is my last portion here that I'm reading. I mean, it's just, it's just antagonistic. I don't know about you, but I'd rather talk about truth than do it. I'd rather catechize it. I'd rather make it a subject of a Sunday school class or a focus group. I'd rather preach about it. I'd rather write books about it. I'd rather do a word study, research the etymology and systematize it. I'd rather have any relationship with truth than to do it. Please, no, that's too hard. Doing truth makes it visible, makes it practical. Doing truth is what truth looks like. It's physical. Oh, so truth is something you can see. Yes, clearly, God is interested in the physical manifestation of things, not just cerebral concepts. Now, some of you are like, amen, right, Steve? Steve is like, yep, that's what the Didache is. It's the way of Jesus' way of living. It's the scripture, the word applied to our life and becoming manifest, right? That's what I'm hoping everyone says, yeah, this is stuff. I got it, Sean. Yeah, right, but are we doing it? And when you say, oh yeah, I'm establishing the gospel, well, are you? And this is what I don't think we're diving deep enough in life groups. We're like, oh yeah, well, you know, God, I'm a work in process, praise the Lord. And then you move on to the next person. And I'm challenging you life group leaders to make every single person share and give an account. How is it with your soul? Are you establishing the gospel? Yep, I am. Thanks for asking. Life group leaders, get some like, mm, and say, oh, why do you say that? Like, let's go deep. Let's get practical. Let's grow. <laughs> and go to life group. That was a plug there. And that's what I believe, folks, we need to come to a, an awakening with, is this idea that we are not established in the gospel otherwise, and I'm going to break it down, hopefully, I've been, I worked really hard on this to try to think of practical signs that you were not established in the gospel, like evidences that says, if this, then probably not. So, you know, when we think of the gospel in totality, it's, it's an alignment of your life to the work of Christ on the cross. It's an alignment of your life, which your life is the summation of your identity, ultimately, which flows from your, into your, it flows your goals, your desires, your energy, your activity, your decisions. See, the decisions you make in your life are not a result of just like, well, this is what I really like. No, it's who you are inside and the identity that you have. 
And your decisions and your priorities and everything flows out of that. The gospel goes at the core of all that and says, I am Christ. I am the son of the living God. I died on the cross. I I was crucified. I was raised from the dead. I sent my spirit now to pull you out of that and put you on a whole new trajectory. To live in a way that is, is superhuman, different than anybody else. I mean, it is a telling sign that most people in the church live like everybody else in the world. If that is the case, if your life does not stand out from the world, folks, that is a telling sign that you have not engaged with the living God, your creator, and allowed him to cause you to become something different. That tells you you are not established. It's not about up here. It's not about what you know. I don't care that you can tell me the six elements of the gospel message. Live it. Let God transform you. Become a living sign and wonder that is one of the most powerful evangelistic tools. Your life draws attention because it's full of the excellency of God, the character, the nature of God in such a stunning array. So, we talked a little bit last week about Strizo. I'm not going to go over any more of that. I said Paul used his letters as establishing tools, right? So, what it would be great you could do is this week to summarize the message, you could like r- literally just read through Galatians. I mean, if you really want to add Acts in there and just start it all out with that, just that book that conveys the first outpouring of the gospel on the earth. But read through Acts, Galatians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Corinthians, and Romans, and just stew on all that. And as you read, make little things that indicate, oh, am I established? Next week, you could kind of do a preliminary, like, practice, and you could read the middle letters, you know, start hitting Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Philemon. Pour yourself into that, those, those books. Paul spent his first three missionary trips focusing on strengthening churches in the gospel. Galatians 6 says, I am amazed... Paul said, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is not just another account. It's a different gospel. But there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, for that matter, right, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed As we have said before, even now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of people or God? Hey, there's one thing. If you are really bothered by what people think, I would venture to say you are not established in the gospel. You can kind of write little notes here. You could do your phone too, you know. They have these notepads in your phone now. Trying to stay up on technology.
You know, we read in Galatians, believers are exhorted to return to the pure gospel, not a version mixed with the law. See, there were people telling them, you know, no, it's, it's not about just accepting the free gift of a sacrifice of Christ on the cross. You got to do these things to earn salvation. You got to be circumcised or you can't be saved. And they would come in with such a powerful defense. And people were caving. People were saying, oh, we have to return back to the law. And I'm saying today, I think there's many of you in this place that struggle with performance. You feel like you have to do certain things to earn God's favor and earn salvation. Think about this. Think about, and I'm not saying we should stay stunted and not grow and get out of addiction, get out of sin, get out of dysfunction. That is the reason the Holy Spirit came, to thrust you out of the old way of living, that you are a new creation. Rise up in the power of the Spirit. Walk in new created order. God's laid it out. But for those of you who are troubled because you basically have a disagreement with your wife on the way to church or one of your kids and all service you can't worship because you're so caught up in the fact well I'm not even worthy to be here and worship I'm an idiot you're not establishing the gospel that should bother you but it should not keep you and disrupt you from being able to worship God and give him the sacrifice you're not worshiping for yourself anyway it's because he's worthy about you feeling like you can't witness to somebody because, oh man, I just messed up. You need to like walk in the confidence of the gospel. Deal with your sin. Don't push that on the carpet because, listen, it's not biblical to sit there and say, well, you know, I haven't arrived with, oh well, he'll, he'll deal with that sin later. No, you deal with that sin. That's part of Second Peter that we went over. Self-government. Knowledge brings self-government to self-government, add perseverance, that you press in and you do what's right, even though everything is breaking out, hell is breaking out around you. That's character. Character is worshiping when you don't want to worship. Why? Because he's worthy. That's being established in the gospel. Doing what's right, even though all hell is breaking loose, that is the gospel. That's character. Loving your wife or your kids even though they're driving you berserko. That's the gospel, folks. That's not like marriage 101. That's the gospel where you die to Christ and he now lives through you in the center of all your relationships. That is the gospel. You know, people were caught up in, you know, in Galatia. They, they thought it was the end times. So people were just saying, oh, who cares? We don't have to even live right. Who cares? Do what you want. Jesus is coming soon again. So there was this laziness and this apathy that set in. And Paul was shaking them saying, listen, be responsible 
follow the gospel, the gospel, he has died for you. You don't have the luxury to do what you want. You lost your rights. When you came and laid down and bowed down to the cross, you gave your will away. I'm experiencing the New England stare right now. First and second Thessalonians. Paul said, we sent Timothy to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Now listen, keep in mind, these weren't new converts. These were like new converts as in years. These aren't like they were saved yesterday. These are follow-up trips where he's going back, sending one of his team to strengthen them. To establish you, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. What's this saying? Like, if you're established, if you are shaken in your faith, folks, if something terrible happens, there's nothing wrong with working out that salvation with fear and trembling. It's nothing wrong with sorting through emotions, sorting through thoughts. But if you are shaken from your faith, you are not established. If you have a bad day and you're just wondering, I don't even know why I'm following Jesus. I don't even know why I'm doing this thing. That's a sign you aren't established. And you know what? We, I don't care if you've been established for real in the gospel for decades. You know, you need to revisit the primary things. I realized the other day as I was just like really saying, Lord, I want to be strengthened. I want to be sterizo in the gospel. Because I had seen attitudes start rising up of just... And I'm like, you know what? If I was really established in the gospel, I would not let stress affect my life. What does stress come from? Stress comes from not trusting the Lord, from fretting. Stress comes from, like, worrying. Like, some of you may have a financial need. And so all you do all day is say, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is terrible. This... You are not established in the gospel. Or maybe you once were and you've slipped. Because if you had Christ as the center and you had your identity as a child of God that's cared for by a perfect father, then you wouldn't be sitting there going, oh, what's going to happen? I don't know what I'm going to do. Listen, if you're getting downloads from heaven now, write it down. Jot it down on your note. Go and pray about it. This isn't to kind of tickle your fancy. This is supposed to be to bring us to a place of understanding and action that we grow, that we let go of control and we grow. Like we talked about last week. 1 Thessalonians 3.2, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by writing, the epistle. 2 Thessalonians 2.15, stand firm in the gospel. And this draws off of 2 Peter where it talks about like, to your character, add self-control. To that, add perseverance to that godliness. I don't know about you, but those, that combination of three is pretty grueling. That's not like, oh, my heart is warmed. 
Self-control, perseverance, and godliness. No, that's like self-control. Not doing what you want to do and persevering, holding steadfast through it for a long period of time to where you are practicing godliness and, and His divine nature, that you're becoming a partaker. Oh, that's just that's equal to death. Not doing what you want to do. Killing the flesh. Killing the fleshly old man desires. But the result is walking as a new creation in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that was your chance to get up, dance, do a little shuffle around like this. First and second Corinthians. Paul says, I've begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. First Corinthians 4, 14. Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. First Corinthians, there was all kinds of divisions, right? And they were solved by what? By the gospel. People being established in the gospel. And this involved all kinds of things, even marriages. Folks, I'm telling you, I think I might have said it last week, but if you have a marriage issue, I have a very simple solution. It's not an easy solution, but make Christ the center. If you really push into that and you make the Christ the center, the problems will all disappear. I'm not talking about like, Jesus is Lord, hallelujah. You know, you piss me off, woman. Well, you know, I don't like you anyway. I don't know why we got married. Why don't you do something right once in a while? That sounds like Christ is in the center, doesn't it? But see, knowing doesn't make a difference. It's about placing him in the center and actually dying to your own self and letting him live. That is the gospel. And there's no excuse. Why? Because he gave you the power that raised Christ from the dead to help you accomplish this. That's in the book, Steve. I got validation for the first time ever from Steve Arsenal. I'm just kidding. It's just like we have this wonderful rivalry. It's so fun. Second Corinthians, it's a whole defense of the gospel. And then Romans, now unto him who is able to establish you, sterizo you, According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. That mystery that was kept secret since the world began has been revealed right now for such a time as this for you. Romans 16.25 Romans becomes a complete, formal, and systematic treatise of the gospel. It's all of the things we've talked about. It's a summation of everything and a detailed, comprehensive account of what the gospel means. Now, 
I want to give you some other signs of, you know, if we talk about identity. You know what? Let's read 2 Corinthians 5. I think it's an amazing place that we can springboard off into some of these practical issues. For we know that if our earthly tent, this is referring to our bodies, these things here that we dress up and everything, right? For we know that if our earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house. This is speaking, if this one disappears, we have a house not made by hands, eternal in the heavens. It's waiting for you. For indeed, this tent we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Since in fact, after putting it on, we will be found, not be found naked. For indeed, we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, because we don't want to be unclothed, but to be clothed. We're longing for this eternal tent, this body. So that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this, his very purpose, is God, who gave us the Spirit as a pledge, a solemn promise, a a token to say, I'm giving you my Spirit, and it's going to be a continual pledge from me, a reminder that I have a place for you. He is going to bring you all the way from where you are now to me in eternal heavens, and I will give you a new body and a new created person. So listen to this. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. But we are of good courage and prefer to be absent from this body and to be home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have this ambition, whether at home or absent, to please Him. Folks, like... That's it. That is the purpose of the gospel, that you might please God and he might bless you. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive compensation for our deeds done while in this body in accordance with what he's done, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord. So this is another aspect about being established. What I'm doing now is what you need to do when you read through the early letters and you just come up with your own criteria from the word of what it means to be established. You're like, I don't know, what are the criteria? Read the Bible. Read Galatians. Read Romans. Corinthians. And as you read, like we just are doing here, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, okay, so that must be a criteria for being established. Do I fear the Lord? What does that mean? Well, find out. But we are all well known to God, and I hope that we are also known in your consciences. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but are going, giving you an opportunity to be proud of us so that we will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not heart. Oh, oh gosh. Okay, we take pride in appearance. That is something, if I do that, I'm probably not established. If I do that with the expense of the heart. See, if I'm like, this guy's wearing shorts and a shirt here, and this guy's wearing a stunning suit coat and tie. Wow, I think you are awesome. But I don't know about you. Okay, if I'm like that, I'm not establishing the gospel. 
Now, it's okay if I like fine dress, which I do. But it doesn't reflect my pursuit to see God's heart for individuals and discern people according to their created purpose. For, see, I just did that. I said, oh, I better work on this. No. For if we have lost our minds, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Okay, oh, wow, I'm going to underline that. For the love of Christ controls. Hmm, do, does the love of Christ control me? What does that mean? That means, oh, it controls. I don't have an option. I'm, I'm hemmed in. I'm controlled. I'm confined to the love of Christ. If you say yes, maybe you're established. If you say no, well, you're not established. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. Oh boy, another one. Those who live would no longer live for themselves. Oh, Lord, do I live for myself? What does that even mean? Well, it means that I come up with plans and originate them from my own heart without really seeking and consulting my Lord, the one that I lost my rights to, the one that's governing and guiding my life, the one that I bowed down to and said, Lord, save me from hellfire and brimstone. Renew my heart that I might know you. Save me from the corruption of the world, from the world's precepts and the way they think. Create in me a new heart. Make me a new creation, Lord. I give you my life. You are my Lord and my Savior, so guide me. I, I commit to you to come and seek you and seek your will. So what I'm saying last week, folks. If, if you are coming looking for a church based on that which meets your criteria of what's nice and everything like that, and, oh, this one has a coffee bar. Well, you guys ain't seen nothing until we go back in the building and we get our espresso machine back and we do full, like, but if that's what's bringing you here, I would venture to say you're not established in the gospel. Because what should bring you here isn't the music. It's not the coffee bar. It's not just like, well, I just want to meet in a tent. I love rock floors. I like to wear bare feet and be grounded in them. You don't choose our church for that. I don't want you to come here. I want you to come if you felt this drawing in your heart from your creator that says, this is a nice place. I want you here. Now, if you haven't come to a place like that, then I'm not imposing that on you. I'm saying... Our purpose should be, where, God, do you want us to plant and grow? Not, you know, I've had it with this place. I'm going to go find a new church because I'm tired of getting dust on my bum when I sit down. 
See how I'm doing that with the word? This is what we're called to do. This is about being established in the gospel. It's about reading the word and applying it and asking as we're reading, Lord, does, is my life aligned to this? Am I living for myself? And ultimately, there's this foundational trust that you don't want to let God lead your life because you have a maligned view of his nature. You think he's out to kill, steal, and destroy from you like Satan. And you don't trust that he really has the best for you. You don't trust him as a creator who said, I'm going to create Joe in the perfect plan. And I have a plan lined out for him that will thrill his soul because I created him to love that plan. See, ultimately, not being established in the gospel is an identity issue. It all comes around to you not understanding God and not understanding how he created you. If you think he's trying to steal things from you and rob you from good things, you don't know God's nature. You don't know his love. And that love is the foundational thing of being established in, in, in being a new creation, walking as a loved son and not an orphan. Listen, I think it's worth doing because many of you haven't been to, to um, encounters, but... You know, when you think of God, is he your master or is he a loving father? When you think about dependency, are you an orphan who is independent and self-reliant? Does that even bleed into your view of leadership that people are out to, like, try to control you and try to take away that independence and that self-reliance? Or... Are you interdependent and, and you acknowledge your need for other people? This is like orphan versus someone who identifies in Christ, a heart of a son. Do you live by the love of the law or do you live by the law of love? As far as your security, are you insecure or lack peace? That's what I'm talking about. You have this constant sense of angst like something's wrong, it's not going to go right, I'm a loser, my life is set up for failure, that is an orphan. That is not walking in the identity of the, of the Father who created you with purposes to thrill your soul. No, we don't lack peace, we rest and have peace. Do you strive for praise, approval, and acceptance of man? Listen to this, folks. If you do, you are not established in the gospel. Someone who's established in the gospel is totally accepted in God's love and justified by grace. They walk boldly before the throne of God. They are confident of who they are created to be. They are confident of the Lord's love, regardless of all the criticism around them. Do you have a need for personal achievement to seek approval and impression from God and others? Do you feel like you have to accomplish something great so that people will say, wow, you are really special? Are you looking around for those people who are like, way to go, Jack. Good job with all the work you're doing around here. Or do you walk with 
such fulfillment that you're like, oh Lord, the opportunity to just do this before you thrills me because I love you. You've done so much for me. I don't need, we all love affirmation, right? We all love a pat on the back, but it's not what drives us. We are truly fulfilled because we're pleasing our God, our creator. We're full of pleasure and delight versus having a sense of duty and earning God's favor or no motivation at all. How about your, your striving for purity like or, or sinlessness, right? We must be holy to have God's favor. And all you end up doing is sensing this increase of shame and guilt. Right? That's, that is not being established. Being established in the gospel is you want to be holy. And you don't want anything to hinder your love and intimacy with God. How about your image of yourself? Do you feel like self-rejection? Because all you do is compare yourselves to others. Someone established is positive and affirmed because we know we have such value to God. Why? Because he died for us. That that sacrifice validates and makes our lives priceless. Source of comfort. You seek comfort in counterfeit affections, addictions, compulsions, escapism, busyness, hyper-religious activity. Right? Versus seeking times of quietness and solitude in the Father's presence and love. Which category are you under here? Column one or two? Just kind of ask yourself this. If you have a lot of ones, you need to really, what's, what's the whole solution here? It's coming to the Lord and experiencing his love. Like, not just, it's reading, praying, getting prayed for, meditating, studying, letting him encounter you with truth. Are you filled with competition, rivalry, and jealousy toward others' success? Or are you filled with humility and unity as you value others and are able to rejoice with their blessings? How about with other people? Are you filled with accusation and exposure and to make yourself look better and make others look bad? You know, because if you can make them look bad, then you look a little better. Or do you cover them with love as you seek to restore them in gentleness? How do you see authority? Do you see authority as a source of pain, distrustful, lack of submission? Listen, like wives, ask, you, ask yourself, do you see your husband as a painful representation? You look at them and go. Or do you see them with respect and honor? Do you see authority as ministers of God for good in your life, not pain? I think that's a lot of practical things, right? I didn't even finish them. Verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one by the flesh, even though we have known Christ by the flesh, yet we know him in his way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. Old things 
have passed away. Behold, new things have come. I'd like to just say new things are still coming. Now these things are all from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their wrongdoings against them. Well, I think by now, I think you have a pretty good start on assessing yourself, saying, and asking the Lord, where are you in establishment of the gospel? If a lot of the indicators that I shared are in you, then chances are the answer is no in this diagnostic. So what does that mean? It means we come to the Lord and we learn his love. Because if you start trying to modify your behavior ahead of love, then you're going to start doing things in the very thing that I'm saying is going to lead you into not being established. Trying to perform, you know, performance mentality, doing things the right way, which is the law versus receiving grace and forgiveness and love and coming to a place where because you were first loved, you can love yourself and others. Meditating on the sacrifice of Christ on that cross. And I'm saying, read the account in Matthew. Read it. See it as a personal expression from God to you, saying, God, and say it with your mouth. Say it out loud. As you read, say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for carrying that cross down that pathway. Thank you for being whipped beyond expression. Thank you by your stripes I am healed. Thank you that you, out of great love, would endure a sacrificial death for me. Lord, I even hated you. I resisted you. I lived my life contrary to pleasing you. Yet you still died for me. It's reading the word, praying it, experiencing it, praying it back to God, focusing on this incredible love that he has given for you. Hey, start by watching Passion of Christ. Watch that whole scene and then say, God, you did this for me. Say it out loud. Start thinking about it. Let your heart be absolutely overwhelmed by the glories and the excellencies of God. You are not a pauper. You are not an orphan. You've been bought with a price. Bought, possessed, loved, embraced. Release that performance mentality. Release those hurts. Lay them at the cross. Release your orphan mentality, all these things. Release your fear of failure, success, healthy relationships, transparency, vulnerability. And fear the Lord who holds your spirit in his hands, who holds your destiny in his hands. Lay down your individualism, your lack of submission to Christ, needing to be able to do everything in your own strength. 
It's like I said last week, that wonderful quote I encountered is control or growth. You can't have both, so choose one. Lay down your sin and embrace the prize of the presence of God. Be fascinated, be infatuated. I want to pray for everyone. Let's just take a minute and respond to God. Listen, I've been sharing. I know things have come to mind because, not because of my brilliance, but because the Holy Spirit is here and he's speaking to your hearts because he loves you. And he's saying, listen, would you lay this down? I, I want to take your rags and give you new clothes. I want to clothe you with praise. Give me your heaviness. I want to give you praise. Rejoicing in your heart. Come on, take time. Exchange your old stuff for the stuff, the new created things God wants to give you. Make Him the center. Open your heart to receive His love today. Come on, let's begin to respond to God right now. Just open your heart. You know, repent for those things that He's spoken to your heart and nudged you today on. Come on, respond to God here. Jesus, I break out doubt. I break off in the name of Jesus. Doubt and unbelief that robs us from hope, from saying it'll never change. I've never been able to escape. I break that in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for you to release hope. Hope to change. Hope to grow. Hope for a future, not despair. I just break that lie of the enemy off minds and hearts. Father, strip away, breathe them off like locusts into the sea. And I pray you release hope, Lord God. Hope and faith to grow. Hope and faith for a future. You are not a loser. Now is time. Now is time to grow. Now is time to change. Now is time for the life of God to be released your life to take on a new creation, a new pathway.
pray you break off right now all the fear. The fear that says things won't change. My son and daughter won't come back. Fear that says the enemy is greater than God. The enemy is not greater than God. Satan is a created angel. God is the creator from the beginning, before time began. You alone, God, are great and glorious. Nothing stands before you. You hold the hearts of kings. You hold the hearts of our loved ones. You hold the hearts of our spouse. And I thank you, Lord, that you are great and all-powerful and that you are good. You work things for the good of those who seek you and love you. Release the reality of that truth right now in every heart, Father. commitment to the Lord. I want to agree in prayer for that right now. And seal the deal. Just agree in prayer. There's power in agreement of prayer. So come before you go and receive prayer for anything. It could be this or just a burden you have on your heart. Let's just continue to respond to God here. Take 